Everything points back to him. And Yeshua said he came to show us the heart of the Father and came to show us the way. He gave us access to Yahweh himself and showed us how to live this way. Uh, because let's face it, left to ourselves, we can come up with some pretty wild ideas, can't we? <laughs> so Yeshua came and he's like, guys, you missed it. You know, you missed it. And some, some of these things, you're doing the right things, but your heart is not in it. If your heart's not in it, then what's the point of doing it? It's, it doesn't please Yahweh just to go through the motions. He wants you. And what's more important, that you just do the stuff or that your heart is with him? Well, here's the, here's, it's kind of a trick question, really. If your heart is with him, do what he asks, right? You're going to walk with him. You're going to do these things. And so what we want is to surrender our hearts to Yahweh, surrender ourselves to him, and learn to follow him step by step along the way. Once we come to him, we repent for our sins. We repent, and then we are redeemed. He redeems us, but now, now what? Well, now we got to learn how to live, you know? And, and one of the things that's awesome about Passover as we're going through, we kind of learn from the things that went before us and learn from the scriptures, learning like reading through Exodus, right? The first Passover we're looking at. And, and as they came, God said that was an act of redemption. He said, when I bring you out of Mitzrayim, I am redeeming you. When he redeemed them, he brought them through the water. What's that picture of, guys? A mikvah, a baptism. And then once he did that, he brought them to the mountain to sit at the mountain to essentially sit at his feet, to learn from him, where he gave them his word by his ruach, by his spirit. He revealed himself to them by his word to equip them to go into the promise. Now, it was up to them if they were going to walk it or not, going to live, it, live and, and do these things. That's why in the end, there was only two. It truly was a narrow road for them, wasn't it? You know, of that generation, there was only two. But that, that leads us with some things. Yahweh has a lot of promises for us and a lot of things he says he desires for us. But ultimately, we have to follow. We have to learn to walk with him. Like last week, we talked about leaven. We talked about leaven and Passover, and we learned that it's not just about like looking for leaven in the homes, which you should do. But it's about Yahweh is teaching us spiritual concepts in physical ways. Sometimes we have to actually do something to understand the spiritual principles behind it. And Yahweh is asking us to search our hearts, to search the very things within us, like we would look for leaven, like we would look in our homes for these things. Do we, you know, look in the, in the corners and shine the lights in the corners and let the light shine in the corners? Guys, he's the light. You see what I'm talking about here? Let him shine those things in us to reveal those things in us that he wants us to get rid of. And are we doing that? Are we faithful to do that? And as we come to him, we know it's not just like I repent and then I'm done. Now I'm perfect. Oh boy. No, we're not, you know, but he makes us clean. He restores us and we can stand before him blameless. But guys, we need to learn how to walk. So we, you know, we're not tr keep tripping ourselves up over the same things, right? So that's called sanctification. That's called learning to live. That's a day-by-day, step-by-step process where he's called us to be holy people, okay? So Passover is a great time to learn and experience that. Today, we're going to talk about Yeshua, our Passover, Yeshua being the Passover lamb. So there's a lot of information to get in here to, uh, to speak of this, and it's important that we know and understand this because ultimately all the Moedim and everything in the scripture points to him. And everything that was given and everything that was done points to Yeshua. And uh, either, either foreshadow or after or looking back, it all points to him. And so 
how do we tie this in together? You know, if we're observing the Moedim, if they were prophetic about speaking about uh, Yahweh and Yeshua and the things that he desires for us, how, how do we translate that into our lives? You know, because if it, was for, it was, if it was about him back then, it's still about him today, okay? And so how do we observe these things? How do we do these things? And if he is the Passover, what does that mean? So we've got a lot of things in here to break down. Uh, if you're taking notes, my advice to you is write fast. <laughs> Let's start about this. In 1 Corinthians 5, 7, and 8, where it says, uh, Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, for you really are unleavened. For the Messiah, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. So let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with old leaven, the leaven of malice or evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. A couple of things here. We talked about this last week. I'm not going to belabor this point. But it says to cleanse out the leaven, to get out the leaven and the life, right? And, the, and I believe this is physically and spiritually as well. If there's areas in our life where we need to repent, repent, and then move on. Let the leaven be cleaned, right? So we surrender it, say, oh, this is leaven. He'll say, yeah, I'll take that. Let me get rid of it for you, okay? And then don't go back looking for more leaven. I mean, the same, you know, like don't say, oh, I missed that leaven there. Let me go get more leaven and put it back. No, no, okay? Uh, As you're cleaning the leaven out, don't go hit Costco to find more leaven, (laughs) Continue to search it out and get that, all right? So now he says, "For for the Messiah, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. What does he mean by that? And that's, that's what we're really going to emphasize and focus on today, about the Messiah being our Passover lamb. Then he says, let us celebrate the festival. Let us celebrate the Seder. First, we observe ourselves, right? This is where we talked about last week, where if you, if you uh, look, take a good look at yourself, then, then you're not going to be condemned as you partake, right? As we're surrendering ourselves to the Father, that's what we're doing. We're repenting and looking at things in our life so we can partake in a worthy manner. So he says to not observe with leaven, but observe with unleavened bread. What do we call unleavened bread? Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say cardboard, but matzah works. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I like matzah, okay, but I had to go for the joke. Sorry, you know what I'm saying? But so matzah, matzah is what we're looking for. And so we're going to talk what about matzah as we're getting here. What does it mean? So you have Passover, then you have the, the seven days of unleavened bread. And during that time frame, you have uh, Bikurim. Bikurim is first fruits. Okay, it was on first fruit. Yeshua rose from the grave, and then during this time, during this week period, then we start counting fifty days. We're counting the Omer. What that means is we're counting the offerings from the first fruit that was given. Once the first fruit is given to the Father, that that what how, 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 where did I put it? How much of the sheaf was given? It was an Omer. It was an omer that was collected, that was gathered in, that was presented as a first fruit. That's why they call it counting the omer, because they're presenting to the Father this time frame, which, by the way, was the same each person was supposed to collect in the wilderness for manna, okay? So we're presenting the omer to the Father, and then there's 50 days of counting till we get to Shavuot. Now, during this time of Feast of Matzah, what are we looking at? Seven days you shall eat matzah and you shall not eat leaven. So really, as far as unleavened bread goes, it's only these two things. You know, do eat matzah, do not eat anything with leaven. And in order to not eat anything with leaven, you clear it out of your homes. All right. So it says for seven days there shall be no leaven in your homes. So the symbolism of the matzah. In order to cook it quickly, what do they do to it? They pierce it. They flatten it out and they pierce it so that it cooks fast. Because if you don't pierce it, what does it do when you go and you cook it? It bumps up. So you pierce it so that it cooks fast and it doesn't puff up like that. So for a matzah, it's striped. When you do this, you pierce it and it's striped. It's striped. Think of Isaiah 53, guys. It's by his stripes. Uh, It's pierced. 
Think of John 19.37. It says, And they shall look upon him whom they have pierced. And then before you eat it, what do you do? You make a blessing and you break it. 1 Corinthians 11.24 says, When he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So during this time of unleavened bread, we're observing in this all pictures that are to remind us about Yeshua. Okay? Even in the bread, when Yeshua said he is the, the, the living water, he is the bread of life, why do you think he used symbolism of pictures like this? Okay? So that as we're doing these things and, and keeping the Moedim and doing what he had said, it's going to remind us of him. Okay? First fruit. What's first fruit? Leviticus 23, verses 9 and 10, Yahweh spoke to Moshe, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and say to them, When you come into the land which I give you, you shall reap the harvest thereof, and you shall bring a sheaf of first fruit of your harvest unto the priest. The first fruit started the count of the 50 days towards Shavuot, or Pentecost. And like we said, Yeshua rose from the grave on first fruit, and he presented himself as a first fruit offering to the Father. Because we read in the scripture, if the first of the, if the, first of the crop, if the first is presented and received as holy, then what is the rest of the crop? Then the rest of the crop is holy and is acceptable and fit for use. Romans eleven sixteen says, if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 and 23 says, But now is the Messiah risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. So, but every man in his own order, the Messiah, the first fruit, and afterward they are the Messiahs at his coming. So we will rise again, but he was the first fruit of all of that. Okay? So again, Passover, first fruit, unleavened bread, and then we start this, this counting of the Omer in this time frame. So, Back to Passover, though. I told you we're going to talk, focus on Passover today. Exodus 12, 14 says, This day shall be for you a memorial day. What does it mean to have a memorial? So now we think a memorial means that you just remember something, right? Okay, there's more to it. Biblically speaking, when you remember something, literally it means to act on behalf of something that you remember. Okay, so it's not just bring it to mind. It's I bring it to mind, therefore I am doing this. Okay, so it's not just a thought. There's action that's associated with it. So he says, this day shall be for you a memorial day and you shall keep it as a feast to Yahweh throughout your generations as a statute for forever. You shall keep it as a feast. Notice here it says it is a feast to whom? Yahweh. Does it say this is a feast for the Jewish people? No, it's a feast for Yahweh. So just given this much information, who do you think would observe? All those that are his. <laughs> this is a feast for Yahweh. So if we belong to Yahweh, we should observe, right? And as well as if you listen to the words that Paul said, you know, therefore, let us keep the feast. What feast? Passover. That's what he was talking about. 1 Corinthians 5, 7, and 8. Again, cleanse out the old leaven. You may be a new lump, for you are unleavened. For the Messiah, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us, therefore, celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, leaven of malice or evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So, Pesach. Actually, when we say Pesach, that's the Hebrew word for Passover. So when we say Passover, we, we say, okay, well, it's because Yahweh passed over the homes. But Pesach literally refers to the lamb. Because without the lamb and the blood being applied to the doorposts and the lentils, there would be no passing over the home in the first place. So it's kind of dual-sided there. It says because of the Pesach, it says it is Adonai's Pesach, it's Adonai's lamb that he asked us to offer. So that's, what that's the emphasis here. Okay, so the emphasis is the lamb. So, but because of that, he passed over the homes. So again, we have a multifaceted picture here. Exodus 12, 11, again, this is how you're to eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. It is Yahweh's Pesach. 
So what does that mean? That he's referring to the lamb. What are you eating? You're not eating him passing over the homes. You're eating a lamb. Okay, so that's what it means. Exodus 12, 27. And again, when you explain to your children, it says, it is the sacrifice of Yahweh's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Mitzrayim. When he struck the, the Egyptians, he spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and they worshiped. Okay, uh, Exodus 12, 43 says, And Yahweh said to Moshe and Aaron, This is the statute of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat it. So again, the statute of the Passover is, it's not for someone who says, that's a really nice meal. Can I have some? This is a covenant meal. This is a, a time that of, of uh, honoring Yahweh and coming together in that. Okay? It says, no foreigner is to eat of it. We talked a little bit more on that last week. Exodus 12, 48, if a stranger shall sojourn with you and he would keep the Passover to Yahweh, let all his males be circumcised that he may come near and keep it. And uh, he shall be as the native of the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat it. What's the idea there? Covenant. That's what he's talking about. Covenant. No person who is not in covenant is allowed to partake. Because don't, don't, don't confuse this, guys. When it talks about the circumcision, it's, the circumcision was not the covenant. Circumcision was a sign of covenant, okay? And so what we're looking at here truly is, is, is the person of the heart. Have they entered covenant with Yahweh, okay? That's what we're looking at. In Leviticus 23.5, in the first month on the 14th day of the month at twilight, it is Yahweh's Passover. Again, the emphasis being the lamb on all of these. Now, Luke 22, 15 to 20, Yeshua, he's speaking to his Talmudim, to his disciples, and he says, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, the cup after the meal, it's the third cup, right? Saying, this is the cup that is poured out for you. This is the new covenant in my blood. Verse 20, 11.23, 1 Corinthians says, for, uh, for I received from the Lord that what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Yeshua, on the night he was betrayed, he took what kind of bread? Matzah. <laughs> right? It's not like, hey, pass that dinner roll over here. You know? No, the bread that he would have had at this time would have been matzah. So he took the matzah, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in memory of me. Again, the idea of no leaven, sinless. You know, there's no leaven, there's no sin, there's no pride. There's nothing in there that, that, that promotes that at all. So he is sinless. That's why the matzah is what represented him, okay? Plus the striping and the piercing and the breaking, all that in there as well. Okay, this is my body. Take, do this in, in memory of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after the supper, saying... This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in memory of me. Verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So you're not just proclaiming the death, you're proclaiming he's coming again. Right? Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the Lord's cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body of the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine who? Himself. Okay, so a man must examine himself and then let him eat from the bread and drink, their cup, drink from the cup. Notice it doesn't say, uh, so examine yourself and then do what you want to do anyway. <laughs> no, examine yourself and then you can eat. What is, that, what is that implying? You're repenting. If there's anything that needs changed or fixed or whatever, you're going to address it. Okay, and you're, you're going to go and take care of these things. So in regards to Passover, what type of of an offering, do you think this might fall in category? There's a lot of different thoughts regarding this, but I'm kind of of the mind to believe this was a peace offering. We see in the scripture where 
Um, Yahweh said to offer peace offerings and do things with the peace offerings. At Mount Sinai, when Moshe made covenant with the people of Israel, and he says that he made burnt offerings and peace offerings. These were done together at the base of the mountain. And these are also the things that we see uh, uh, throughout the Torah being fulfilled in here. So what are the type of the offerings? What we often call these sacrifices in the scripture are better related, uh, called korban. Korban is the Hebrew name for them. Uh, we say they're sacrifices, but if we say sacrifice, what does that have the idea for you? For many people who say you must sacrifice something to please Yahweh, that means I have to give something up or Yahweh's not happy. It means I've got to be miserable for him to be happy, right? Unless I really sacrifice something, he's not going to hear me. That's not what it is, okay? Nor was that ever the emphasis. Korban means literally something brought near, Okay? The word korban means bringing something near, bringing something close. So when you were to bring the animal to Yahweh, and what you were doing was bringing something near to Yahweh, and it was a matter of you being represented and brought near to him. Because the animal, it was observed and it was, it was slaughtered, and a lot of times you were the one who did a lot of this. And the priest took it, he would, he would manipulate the blood and put, the, put it on the altar. And the scripture says that the fire and the smoke would literally go up into the face of Yahweh. In other words, you are being brought near by means of something else. And this is a picture showing us that Yeshua brings us near to him. There's a point where we have to stop. We're not allowed any further. You know, who was allowed in the holy place and in the most holy place? Only Aaron and only one day out of the year. Okay, so how can we possibly approach and come into his presence? We need to be brought here. It's not like any person of Israel can say, you know, like <laughs> Yom Kippur, everything's done, everything was received. Great, so I'm going to go waltzing right into the most holy place. No didn't happen. Okay, so again, there was an order to these things. So what are the korban? If you go through in Leviticus, each of the five chapters talk about, as it's opening up, the first five chapters, each one talks about a different offering. Okay, the Leviticus chapter one talks about the Ola offering, the burnt offering. Leviticus two talks about the Mincha offering, which was a grain offering. This, this was a bloodless offering. This was a grain offering. Okay, uh, Leviticus three talks about the Shalomim offering. Shalomim, what's that sound like to you? Shalom. Yeah, that's the root. Peace. Okay, this was a peace offering. And then Chatat offering and the Asham offering. One was a sin and one was a guilt or, or a trespass. Okay? The, the, the last two were the only ones that were required. The sin offering and the guilt offering were the only two that were required. All the rest of them were completely and totally voluntary. All right? So we're going to address the uh, peace offering. Leviticus 3, to go back to address it, Leviticus 3, verses 1 and 2. If his offering is a, a sacrifice of peace offerings, then if he offers before Adonai an animal from the herd, then no matter whether it is male or female, it must be without defect. And he is to lay his hand on the head of this offering and slaughter it at the entrance to the tent of meeting. And the sons of Aaron, the Kohanim, are to splash the blood against the sides of the altar. So this was a matter of where you told you had to bring it. No, but you wanted to bring a peace offering. Okay, and this is, so this is what you did. Leviticus 7, verses 12 and 15. If a person offers for giving thanks, again, a thanksgiving offering is a peace offer. It's the, it's the category that a thanksgiving offering falls under, okay? So he is to offer it with the thanksgiving sacrifice of unleavened cakes mixed with olive oil and matzah spread with olive oil and cakes made of fine flour mixed with olive oil and fried. I knew it. <laughs> Verse 15, the meat of the sacrifice of his peace offering for giving thanks is to be eaten on the day of his offering. He is not to leave any of it till morning. A couple things here. Notice, 
So you have the meat that was put on the altar and you had portions of that that were given back to you that you were required to eat. And by the way, it's all got to be gone today. None left till morning. What's the, what's the regarding Passover? You eat the lamb, how much of it? All of it. How much could be left till morning? None of it, right? And then you're to eat uh, uh, unleavened bread with it, right? Well, what are you serving here with, with this as well? It's to be made with unleavened bread, right? So partaking of the food from the altar, you're, you're partaking literally from the table of God. When you put the, the, uh, the korban on the altar, that was considered God's table. Does Yahweh need food? No, but that was considered his table because that's how we served him, right? So they put this on the table and then there were portions that you got back that you were to eat in thanksgiving and, and in peace and in praise. And in that, you are partaking of the table of Yahweh. What was Passover? You're eating from his table. You're eating from him, from him with him. Ezekiel 41.22 says, An altar of wood, three cubits high, two cubits long, two cubits broad, its corners, its base, and its walls were wood. And he said to me, This is the table that is before the Lord. Malachi 1, 11 and 12, But you profane his name when you say that the Lord's table is polluted, and that its fruit and that is the food may be despised. So again, the altar was called his table. So again, we put something on the altar, that's the table of Yahweh, and you get to eat from his table. Kind of gives a little bit more of a twist when it says he prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies, right? That means we're in his presence and they're in the courtyard and they're at, at the temple, you know? Awesome, awesome imagery. Exodus 12, 8 and 10. So you shall eat the flesh that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs, they shall eat it. That's really the only three main requirements you have for the observation of Passover is you eat the lamb with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Of course, you got to tell the story is why, right? But the only three main requirements is the lamb, the matzah, and the bitter herbs. Uh, do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, or, but roast it with its head, its legs, its inner parts, and you shall let none of it remain until morning. Anything that remains until morning, you shall burn. With the peace offering, if you let any of it remain till morning, you, you cause the offering to be considered null and void, you know, because none, none was to be left. There was a certain amount of time it was to be eaten. And if you said in your heart or in your mind, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to keep so much of it for later, you would nullify the offering, okay? So it's to be left until morning. So the peace offering of the covenant meal, we see another picture of this in Exodus 24, 11. So Moshe says to Aaron, that of 70 elders of up and scripture says they saw the God of Israel, which by the way was the very first time that phrase is used in scripture. The God of Israel. And what is it used in context of? In covenant with him. So they saw the God of Israel and, uh, and standing as it were, his feet were the pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief of the men of the people of Israel. Behold, they beheld God and they ate and they drank. Again, uh, we've talked about this before. I'm like, well, that seems kind of strange behavior, right? They go up to the mountain and they see the God of Israel like he's standing on a sea of sapphire glass. And they're like, wow, I, I, this, is, this is the God of Israel. I, I can't believe it. I'm hungry. Anybody else hungry? You want to get something to eat? <laughs> is that what's going on here? No, it's not what's going on here. Remember, because if you continue to read it before that, you find that they sacrificed Ola offerings and peace offerings. What do you do with the peace offering? You had to eat it. So Moshe, Aaron, Narav, and Aviu, and the 70 elders, they went up to see the God of Israel, and what were they eating? The peace offering. They were partaking of the peace offering from the table of Yahweh as they're there in his very presence. What an amazing... All right, Romans 5.1. It says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through Yeshua. 
How do we have peace with Yahweh? We have peace with Yahweh because of we have peace with Yahweh because of what Yeshua brought us to. He brought us to. Yeshua says, "No man comes to the Father but by." Oh, again, we have peace. He did for. The question is, are we going to partake of that peace? See, it's there, but it's up to us to partake of it. How do we do that? Yeshua said, "Follow me," and he said, "Like the unleavened bread, right? As often as you do this, you are proclaiming me." So, what is our responsibility? Proclaim it. Observe. Do it. Right. How do we see some of this fulfillment in Yeshua? Okay, so how did he actually do it? For the observation of Pesach, on the 10th, they chose the lamb that was without blemish. And what are they supposed to do with it? To receive it, to take it in their homes and to keep it for four days, right? So they have the lamb that was without blemish. It was to be without spot or blemish. And in 1 Peter 1.19, we know that it's testified of Yeshua as well. They're to keep it till the 14th and to slaughter it as the evening of the 15th is approaching. Scripture literally says between the evenings which would be late afternoon on the 14th going into the 15th. You guys remember, uh, scripturally speaking, when the sun goes down, that's the next day because there was evening and morning one day, right? When everything was being created back in the very beginning of everything, it says, and there was evening and there was morning one day. It doesn't say day one, it says one day. You know why? Because we're, now we're learning the parameters for what a day is, okay? The evening and morning. That's why when you look at a Hebrew calendar, Evening first, then morning. Uh, and then as the 15th approaches, then they're to kill it. And Yachanan, John 129 says, The next day John sees Yeshua coming to him, and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Again, proclaiming him as the Lamb. And also, what day do you think that, they, that he, he went into Yerushalayim, and they're proclaiming their, the Hoshiana, and they're selecting the Lamb without even recognizing then they're to, he's to be killed, and they're to place the blood on the side, on the side post and the top post of the door. And the side post is literally called mezuzah. Okay, we talk about the mezuzah, about the box that you put on the, on, the, on the frames of your door. Literally, the doorpost itself is called mezuzah. So that's where the word is supposed to be put in there. So then you're to eat the lamb. How much of it? All of it. It was to be roasted in fire, which just as a side note, Psalm 12, 6, says the words of Yahweh are pure words as silver tried in a furnace and purified seven times. How do you purify silver? Fire, right? <laughs> Um, again, also, did Yeshua go to the depths of Hades? I know people say yes, people say no, but Acts 2.27 says, because you will not leave my soul in hell, neither will you suffer the Holy One to see corruption. Plus, where did he say he got the keys? The keys are death and hell, right? Where? Uh, Ephesians 4.9, now that he ascended, and what is it that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? Okay. So how are we to observe? We have the lamb and we eat it with what? Bitter herbs which is not some guy named Herb who's really angry. Bitter herbs. And, and we're to do this to remember the sting of slavery in Egypt and sin. You know, the bitterness of your bondage, the bitterness of oppression, and, and, and testifying that Yahweh redeems you. Matthew 26, 21 and 22 says, And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say to you, that the one you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful and began every one of them to say, Lord, is it me? Can you imagine? One of you is going to betray me and every one of you going... Am I going to do it? Really? That means, bear with me for a minute, that each one of them had in their heart that they could. <laughs> wow. After they've been with them all this time. Lord, will I betray you? He says, no, one of you will betray me. Now, granted, when the time came and we have the testimony of the cross at his crucifixion, we only have one disciple that was there. The rest of them. There's no record of any something to consider. Okay, so they eat it, and they eat it with uh, the bitter herbs, and they eat it with matzah. What's the idea of the matzah? Unleavened bread, sinless life. You know, nothing that puffs up or causes pride or arrogance or anything like that. To eat it humbly, okay? Now, 
The lamb that was slain is testified from when? What does the scripture tell us? From the beginning. Okay, so we see that the, that the beginning is declared from the, and the end is declared from the, it's, it's all there, right? It's all there in every point in between. Yahweh declared it all there. Revelation 13, 8 says, and I'll dwell upon the earth, shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of, of the book of life of the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. Uh, the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world, uh, talking about Yeshua, talking about these things. Also, we're looking at the Aleph Tav. We have the scripture talking about the Aleph Tav in the very beginning, Genesis 1.1. We'll get to that in a minute. It's like, well, he was there at creation, but in the very first scripture in the verse, where's he at? Well, this is it right here. This is where he was. And I'll show that to you in just a second. First off, Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. It says, remember the former things of old, for I am God, there is none else. I am God, there is none like me. Doing what? I declare the end from the beginning. So at the very beginning, he declares the end. And from the ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. In John 1, verses 1 through 14, we see some things here, right? In the beginning was what? The word of God. The Word was God. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Okay, we have the beginning of the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. We got that. Verse 3, all things were made by Him. Him who? The Word. Yahweh. The Word. And, uh, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. So we have the Word that was, that was God, that was in the beginning, that created, that is life, that is light. You with me so far? <laughs> Go down to verse 5. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So again, we have this picture. He was in the very beginning, the lamb that was slain from before the foundation, but everything was there, and everything was created by him. Isaiah 44, 6. Thus says Adonai, who? Adonai, who? The Lord. Adonai, the Lord. Israel's king. So Adonai is Israel's king. Israel's redeemer. Adonai Tzavaot. I am the what? I am the first and I am the last. Beside me, there is no God. Beside me, there is none else. Okay? It's just him. He is the first. He is the last. Right? Isaiah 48, 12. Listen to me, Yaakov. Israel, whom I have called, I am he who is first. I am he who is last. Go to Revelation 1, 8 through 11. I am Alpha Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, which is, which was, and is to come, the Almighty. So we have here again, who did John say? The very book, the book of Revelation. The name of the book, at the very beginning of it. Oh, it is the revelation of Yeshua. So who's the, who are we talking about? Yeshua. So again, at the very beginning, he says, I am the Alpha Omega. What's Alpha Omega? First and last, right? There's more to it. I am the first, I am the last, I am the beginning and the ending. Guys, we also testify in Scripture where it says Yeshua is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We see where Yahweh says, I am Yahweh. I change not, right? Verse 11. So he says, I am the Alpha Omega, the first and the last, and what you see right in the book and send to the seven churches. Okay, so again, the picture's here. I am the first, I am the last. When we read here, it says, I am the Alpha Omega, the beginning and the ending. Consider something. If you have a group of people together 
that speak more than one language, and you get them together, what language will they most often speak? Their native language. True? So why would Yeshua, who spoke Hebrew, be talking to John, whose native language would have been Hebrew, Aramaic, and he's by himself, so it's not like anyone else is listening. Why would he speak to him in Greek? Why would he say, I'm the Alpha Omega? Wouldn't he say, I am the Aleph Tav? Because, see, in the, in, 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 the, in the Greek, Alpha Omega would be the first and the last letter of the alphabet, right? That's not a trick question, right? But other than that, there's no other meaning. On the other hand, Aleph Tav is the first and the last of the alphabet. And it's in the scripture used over 7,000 times, and it's not translated into English. What do we do with that? And why not? See, Alpha Omega has no other meaning other than the first last letter of the alphabet. But Aleph Taf, it's written in the, throughout the Torah, throughout the Tanakh, written all over the place in there. And even in modern Hebrew, when they use it, they tell you, well, it just points to a definite article, grammatically speaking. But here's the thing. If it was only a matter of grammar, there are places in the scripture where the Aleph Tav should be, and it's not. And there are places where it shouldn't be, and it is. So are we just following rules of grammar, or is God trying to show us something? So again, the Aleph Tav, it's not just the first and the last letters of the Aleph, but he's showing us he is. He's there. Look at it. Genesis 1.1. Bereshit bara Elohim et hashemayim et aretz. Seven words. Six are translated. Bereshit is what? In the beginning, bara, created, Elohim. God, again, Hebrew grammar speaking, right? The, uh, so, so Elohim created, Elohim, so Elohim created, the way it translates, okay? Aleph Taf, where's the, where's, the, where's the word for that? It's not there. Hashemayim, what's that? The heavens. Va'et, what's that? And. Okay, well, it's translated there. No, it's not. What does Vav mean? And. So what's translated there? The Vav, Va'et Ha'aretz, the earth. So what you have here is a picture of, in the beginning, Elohim created, who was the Elohim that created? Aleph Taf, the heavens, and Aleph Taf, the earth. Another thing to put in there as well, the Vav is a six letter of the alphabet, uh, man was created on day six. So he created the Aleph Taf heavens, and for man, the Aleph Taf earth. So again, are we talking big, bigger pictures here? Aleph Tov is Yeshua, guys. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things come, and for whom we exist. One Lord, Yeshua the Messiah, through whom were created all things, and through whom we have our being. So who created all things? He did. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. In connection with him were created all things, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, lordships, rulers, or authorities. They have all been created through him and for him. He existed before all things, and he holds everything together. In Revelation 4, 11, it says, You are worthy, Eloheinu, you to have the glory, the honor, the power, because you created all things. And because of your will, they were created and came into being. Again, Yahweh, in the beginning was the word. He spoke, and this word created everything. This word is, and he is the lamb that was slain from before the foundation of the earth. He was who he was before everything was even. Another picture, the lamb that Yahweh provided. The, 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 we have this, Genesis 22, 7 and 8. With Abraham, Abraham was to lay down, to take his son and to offer him at Moriah, right? 
So here, Isaac spoke to Abraham's father and he said, my father, and he said, here, here am I, my son. And he said, behold the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Not getting into the whole story in there today because we can, it'll take a whole other thing in and of itself. But here he says, so dad, we're coming here for the offering. Yes, son, you forgetting something? Got the fire, got the wood, got the rope, got the knife. Anything, dad? Anything you're forgetting? And what did he say? He says, Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. And they went on both of them together. Just reading in there, it's like, just, it declares of his faith that he had, that he, God would provide the lamb for the burnt offering. And, they, and he did. And that's, ex, that's exactly what it means there. But to read it in the Hebrew, it goes a little more in depth. Because he literally says, Elohim yireh lo haseh. He doesn't say God will provide for himself a ram or a lamb for the offering. Literally what it reads, Elohim provides himself the lamb. That's different. Pictures of what he's done for us. So back to Exodus 12, 1 and 2. Pesach was new redemption, new, new beginning. And it was so much so that Yahweh says, this is the marking of the beginning of the calendar for you guys. The biblical calendar for all the Moedim and, and all of these things start in Aviv, which is in two weeks. Yahweh spoke to Moshe and Aaron in the land of Mitzrayim saying, this month shall be to you the beginning of the month and it shall be the first month of the year to you. Their redemption was so pivotal and such a big deal in the earth that it literally changed the calendar. <laughs> you will forever mark your time of your redemption when you're counting the months from this point forward. Everything you're counting from this point forward marks back to that I redeem you. It's all about him. 2 Corinthians 5.17, in Messiah Yeshua, we're made new. It says, therefore, if any man is in Messiah, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. Exodus 12, 5. The lamb was selected and inspected. The lamb is to be without blemish. Male of the first year is to take it from the sheep or from the goats. So it is to be inspected and declared there's no blemishes in it. And then you are to become intimate with it. You are to, to take it in your homes and, and, and let it be a for your kids. Yeah, I know. You're, you were to, to have this. To, it would be a part of your family. Peter 1, 18 and 19 says that Yeshua was inspected and he was blameless. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver or gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Yeshua as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And this is how can Peter say he was examined and said that he was without blemish? Guys, Yeshua was inspected by Pilate. He was inspected by Herod. He was inspected by Annas. He was inspected by Caiaphas. And all of them said, I find no fault in him. The lamb was selected. The lamb was inspected. He was without fault. Exodus 12, 6. If you were to receive the redemption and deliverance, you had to partake of the lamb. If you, if you were in Mitzrayim, if you were in Egypt, and, and Yahweh says, I want you to take the lamb, you're to slaughter it and place the blood over. If you would have said, well, that seems a little harsh. I don't think I want to do that. Then somebody died in your house. You were to partake. You were to do. It says, you shall keep it on the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Romans 3, 21 and 26. Through Yeshua, we are a part of Israel. I make it very clear, very sad. You do not replace Israel, ever. But you do become a part with Israel. Romans 3, 22 to 23. It says, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Yeshua unto all that upon all, all that believe, for there is no difference for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Galatians 3, 14 and 29 says that Yeshua did what he did so that the blessing that Yahweh gave to Abraham could go to the Gentiles through Yeshua and that we would receive from the promise the Spirit through faith. And that if you were the Messiah's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. 
What promise? The promise he gave to Abraham. Ephesians 2. Read the whole chapter. But Ephesians 2, looking at verses 12 and 13, it says that you were at that time, before you were redeemed, at that time you were without the Messiah, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Messiah Yeshua, you who were far off are now brought near by the blood of Messiah. You have now brought near by the blood of Yeshua. The question is, brought near to what or whom? See, because people say, well, because of Yeshua, now we've been brought near to God. And you know what? You're right. I'm not going to say anything about that at all. You're right. But what specifically does it say? It says you were removed from certain things. And now in the Messiah, you are brought near to these things that you were not a part of. What are they? You were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. That means the Messiah Yeshua, you are now brought near to be a part of the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers from the covenants of promise. Now in Messiah Yeshua, you are brought near to be a part with the covenants of promise. You didn't have any hope. In Yeshua, you have hope. You were without God in the world, and now he is with you. All of this is done because of Yeshua. Romans eleven seventeen. if some of the branches were broke off and you, the wild olive, were grafted in among them, you have become equal sharers at the rich root of the olive tree. A believer has been grafted in to be a part of Israel by the covenant of Abraham through the blood of Messiah. So how was the blood applied? Because of obedience. Again, we mentioned when Yahweh went through Mitzrayim, did he, did he say, well, I don't know these guys, but they don't have the blood. These guys do. Did he not really know who were his? He knew his people. He says, I've heard their cries. I'm going to come down. I'm going to deliver them. What was he really looking for? Obedience. Because see, the, the applying of the blood wasn't just for them. The applying of the was for them in the area that, that Yahweh will pass over their homes and he redeemed them and he did all of this. But it was also a sign and a testimony to those who didn't do it of who God is. See, he was looking for obedience from his people. Exodus 12, 7, 12, 22. The blood was applied to the doorpost and the lintel and then the household was spared. They take it, they slaughter it, they catch the blood and then they take a hyssop and they dip it in the blood and they put it over the doorpost and the lintels. Uh, seven, says they're to take some of the blood and they smear it on the two sides, literally, hamzuzot, on the mezuzah of the door. And that's what we said before, literally the side part of the door is called the mezuzah. The little box they put on that they call mezuzah, it fulfills the, the idea of God said, put the word on your, on your doorpost, but literally itself is called mezuzah. Okay, and then they have on them they have a sheen. What does the sheen stand for? Shaddai, El Shaddai, and Shaddai is actually an acronym Shemar Delat Israel, which means that it is Yahweh who watches over and guards the doors of Israel. That's why he says, "You take my word and you put it on there, and it is to remind you." And you're going in, you're coming out, when you're in everything that you're doing. Every time you pass through that door, is to remind you of the one that you serve. So every time you're leaving and every time you're coming back in, it's to remind you of the one that you serve. When you're going out, the one who goes before you. When you're coming in, the one who is your peace, the one that you're serving in the midst of all of that. Okay? Again, where do we see a picture of this? The blood and the word working together? Revelation 12, 11, They overcame him by the blood of the Lord. They loved not their lives unto death. The blood and the word working together. Revelation 19, 13. He was clothed with a vesture that was called the word. The word and the blood working to you redemption. And where was it slaughtered? At the threshold. This is a picture of a threshold the way it would have been in the ancient Near East. Something interesting here that I want to show you. What, is it, what do you see in there? As you're looking, if you cross the threshold over the door, what do you see there? Yeah, a little divot, right? A little bowl, a little hole, a little thing given there, right? 
Exodus 12, 22. So you take a so hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and uh, touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin and none of you shall go out of the door of a house until morning. This word for basin is the word saf. It's like a dish that you would use to hold wine or something like that. But saf is also the word for the threshold. So he says you're to take this and take it from the threshold where the lamb was slaughtered and apply it over. If it's done that way, you know, you see a picture of literally the blood on every surface, on side and every way. Exodus 12, 23, Yahweh will pass through, the word evar, to pass through, uh, to smite the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, Yahweh will pass over the door. So seeing the blood on the door, he will pass over the door and he will not let the destroyer enter through that door into your home. Because that was a sign, not just for you, but for everyone outside, who you served. There was a distinction made that night. Who serves Yahweh and who does not? And if the, if the blood was not there, then the destroyer could cross over into that home and take the firstborn. In the ancient Egypt and other cultures, they would carve the names of their deities in the entrance of their homes. In the ancient Near East, this is a, a, a common practice that was done. Interesting how Yahweh tells us uh, the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, and you were to take these words and you're to place it where? On the doorpost of your home. Why? So that everybody knows the God you serve. So they know the one that you serve. It's the blood and the doorpost and all that there. And even with the lamb and the blood, they know this is the one they serve. Write it there. So when people even go by your home, they know who you serve. In ancient Near East cultures, the sacrifices were made at the threshold of the homes. This was a show of covenant, like a blood threshold covenant. The Egyptians had spring celebration that included the sacrifice of a pig, offerings of honey, and leavened cakes. Contrast that, guys, with lamb, bitter herbs, and unleavened bread. <laughs> Yahweh is saying, what you're doing, it's not what they're doing. What you're doing is not to look like what they're doing. And what you're doing, even though there's some similar actions, it is definitely not similar. And you can tell just by taking a quick look, it's not the same thing. He's going to declare that for him. Exodus 12, 6. If you were to receive redemption, if you were to receive the deliverance, you had to partake of the lamb. And you keep it up to the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. John 1, 29, again the lamb. John saw Yeshua coming the day, and he said, Behold the lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Back to Exodus 12, 11 to 14. And thus you shall eat it, your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. It is Yahweh's Pesach. Again, Yahweh's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am Yahweh. And the blood will serve as a sign marking the houses. Notice, he didn't just say marking the individuals. He said the blood will serve as a sign marking the houses, the collective within the home. The house was, was redeemed because someone there took the blood and applied it. Look, so when I see the blood, I will pass over, Pesach, you. When I strike the land of Egypt, the death blow will not strike you. And this day shall be a memorial and you shall keep it as a feast to Yahweh throughout your generation. You shall keep it as a feast by an ordinance forever. Luke twenty two nineteen, 19. Yeshua did this as an everlasting provision. And it says, and he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave to them saying, this is my body which is given. Do this in remembrance of me. How often? Ongoing. <laughs> Ongoing. When do we stop proclaiming what he's done for us? Ongoing. Okay. Exodus 12, 46. No bones that were broken of the lamb. Neither shall you break any bone thereof. No bones were broken. What's the testimony of Yeshua? 
John 19, 32 and 33. Then came the soldiers and they broke the legs of the first and the other that were crucified with him. But when they came to Yeshua, they saw he was dead already, so they did not break his legs. No bones broken. Matthew 27, 54. When the centurion that was there with them, they were watching Yeshua. They saw the earthquake and the things that were done. They feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. 1 Corinthians 5, 7, and 8. Again, cleanse out the old leaven. Do this because of Yeshua. This, he is the Son of God. And because of who he is, we proclaim him. How do we do that? One way we do that is by partaking. Pesach was a separation of the people of Yahweh. It was a time when Yahweh says he's going to cause a line to be made. He's going to draw this. He will say, these are my people, these are not. And, and literally, life and death were on the line. So a distinction is made between Israel and the world. The blood is applied. The people of Israel must partake of the lamb. They must prepare themselves for their deliverance. They were to eat shoes on their feet with their staff in their hand, ready to go as soon as that word is given. They were to eat it. Yahweh says, I am delivering you. Expect it. That's something for us, isn't it? Yahweh says, I will deliver you. I will free you. I will redeem you. I will restore you. I will give you. Do we expect him to mean what he said? Or are we just saying, okay, but I'm just going to sit here and wait. Do we expect? Do we, do we believe what he meant? So now when they were told to walk out of Egypt, they had to walk out of Egypt and not before. Not, meta- not metaphorically, not spiritually. They literally had to walk out. They're like, okay, wow, we got this fire and this cloud and all this. That's great going that way. But no, I, now that I'm redeemed, I'm just going to sit here and enjoy being redeemed. Now that you're redeemed, you got to follow him. He's going that way. <laughs> so we got to learn how to walk. We got to learn how to follow him. Exodus 11, 4 through 7. Moshe says, here's what Adonai says. About midnight, I will go into Egypt. And all the firstborn in the land of Egypt will die from the firstborn of Pharaoh sitting on his throne to the firstborn of the slave girl at the hand mill and the firstborn of all the livestock. There will be a horrendous wailing throughout the land of Egypt. There has never been another like it and never will be again. Verse 7. But not even a dog's growl will be heard against uh, the people of Israel, neither uh, even against the animals. In this way, you will realize that Adonai is... He makes a distinction between Mitzrayim and Israel. He makes a distinction between those who are his and those who were not. And that was marked by their people's obedience to the world. This is our God. He's redeeming us. Therefore, we are doing what he... Psalm 4.3, understand Yahweh sets apart. Same word used there for, dist- for make a distinction. He, he, he sets apart. Kihifla, he sets apart. The godly person for himself. Adonai will hear what I call to him. So Passover observance, guys, Passover observance doesn't stop at the meal. Not about I did a Seder, now I did Passover. Now, no, Passover observance does not stop at the meal. Again, what happened if they would have partake of the lamb and didn't walk out? Their, what happened if they partook of the lamb and didn't walk in their deliverance that Yahweh gave them? Your Passover observance doesn't stop at the meal. That's your starting point. They came out. They came to the sea and they had to go through it. They came to the mountain to receive the word of Yahweh, to be equipped ahead. And that Yahweh says he would meet them and change them and show them how to carry his presence with them to go into the promise. The same thing he does with Passover is an act of redemption. After they were redeemed, they were delivered to the Father at Sinai where they were betrothed as his bride. Scripture all, all throughout the New Testament talks about the bride. Where do we? <laughs> Sinai. So here they are betrothed. And what happens about the bride? Revelation 21, 9 and 10. There came to me one of the seven angels which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues. And he talked with me saying, come hither and I will show you the bride, 
the Lamb's wife. And He carried me away in the Spirit to a great high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out from God. Guys, we are to be a set-apart people to proclaim the goodness of our God. And He says, how do we walk with Him? He gave us the example of Yeshua gave us perfectly how to follow Him and hear His voice. Amen?